I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on today and turn to Mark chapter nine. Mark chapter nine. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Mark is located, if you're in a physical Bible, what I would tell you to do is open up to the table of contents. You'll find that the Bible's broken up into two sections, the Old and the New Testament. Mark is the second book of the New Testament. So locate the New Testament. Two books in is the book of Mark. Turn to that page and flip through till you get to chapter nine. Now, if you're in an app, what I would ask you to do is pull down the list of the books of the Bible. You'll find that Mark is about two thirds of the way down that list. You'll find it uh, bundled with a group of four pretty common names, Matthew, Mark, which is where we're at, Luke and John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, you wanna be in Mark and then go over to chapter nine. Now, as a child, uh, when I was in elementary, I was borderline obsessed with the toy line, the Transformers. I don't know if you remember me, uh, remember these. They're still around today. You can find them at, at Walmart, at toy stores. They still make the cartoons. Uh, but Transformers started in 1984 when I was uh, very young. I was uh, just starting elementary school. Well, I'd been in elementary school a couple of years and I would rush home uh, after school because there were two cartoons that came on after school all five days of the week that I just longed to watch. And one of those was the Transformers. And the, the Transformers were these toys uh, that you uh, would get, they were in a, they took an ordinary form like a car or a radio or a jet plane or something like that. And then you could transform them into these robots. And in the, the cartoon, they had crash landed on earth. They were an alien species and they came and they were fighting this battle between the good guys and the bad guys, but they would transform from robot into these ordinary items and that's how they disguised themselves. And I was so fascinated with the idea of something that could be one thing and then transform and be changed into another thing. I loved the cartoon, I loved playing with the toys. It, it was a big deal in my life. And Again, the idea that something could be transformed, could be changed from one form to the other was so intriguing, so fascinating. Jesus tells us that we're supposed to be transformed and there's a time in Jesus's life where he is physically transformed. And we're gonna look at that today. So take your Bibles or your apps, turn to Mark chapter nine. We're gonna begin in verse one. Mark chapter nine, starting in verse one, it says this, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Now, just FYI, just before he makes this statement, he has gone through and discussed uh, a lot about him and his ministry and how we uh, connect with him and how our lives following him should look. Uh, we just talked about two weeks ago, the passage where Jesus says, if you would follow me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That statement has just been made. And now we're into this statement at the beginning of chapter nine, where he says, truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God as after it has come with power. Pick up with me in verse two. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John 
and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant, intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were all terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud and said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what his rising from the dead might mean. Very cool passage. Jesus is literally and physically transformed right before the eyes of Peter, James, and John, three of Jesus's followers, his disciples. Uh, and, and this is something that's really interesting. But uh, before I get into talking about this changing that he does, this transformation, this what the Bible calls a transfiguration, I want to look at verse one because it seems First off, it's a little out of place seemingly, but also it also seems like it doesn't make sense, like it, it didn't come to pass, like Jesus said something that didn't actually happen. Um, and so look with me in chapter nine, verse one again. It, it, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. You see, all of the disciples, uh, you know, they're later called the apostles. All the apostles uh, died a martyr's death, except for maybe John. And these disciples, these apostles go through and they don't see the second coming of Jesus. So what is Jesus talking about then here in chapter nine, verse one? Well, he's talking about what we just read in the following passage, the transfiguration. You see, Jesus is looking at his followers and saying, hey, there's some of you that are going to see the power of the kingdom of God. You're gonna see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. And then a few days later, uh, somewhere between six and eight days later, Jesus and three of his disciples actually go and they see the kingdom of God in its power by Jesus being transformed and appearing with Moses and Elijah. And so verse one of this chapter is actually a prophecy about what's about to happen, about what's going to take place just a, almost around a week later. And so that is a fulfillment of the statement. The, the, what happens here in verse two and following is a fulfillment of what Jesus predicts in verse one. So moving on, Jesus takes these three men, Peter, James, and John, three of his closest followers, his disciples. He takes them up on this mountain and they look at Jesus and suddenly he's transformed. The, the Bible says that he's shining. His clothes are so white that they're radiant. They're glowing. And he's appearing in his glory. 
Uh, He is giving us a precursor of what's to come, a preview of what his glory will be like. You know, he's not holding back his godhood, his deity, like he was normally doing. He was giving them a glimpse into the glory of him as the son of God. It was a preview of what we will experience when we go to be with Jesus for all of eternity. Now, the next interesting aspect of this is that it says that Elijah and Moses stand with Jesus and sit and have a a conversation. Now, why Elijah and Moses? Why those two Old Testament guys? Why not somebody like King David or Solomon? Uh, or, or somebody like that. Why is it important that it's Moses and Elijah that are the two men uh, from the Old Testament that come and speak with Jesus in this moment? Well, Moses, uh, if you were a Hebrew, a Jewish person, an Israelite in Jesus's day and time and in today, Moses is the personification of the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy. He was the physical, the person representing that law. Then Elijah, Elijah was the perfect representation of the prophets. Now that is significant because when Jesus and others uh, in the New Testament, when they refer back to the Old Testament, they refer back to it and refer to it as the law and the prophets. You see, that's what the Israelite people uh, viewed the Bible as in that day and time. The Old Testament, the, what they call the Hebrew Bible. The Hebrew Bible is broken up into sections and the two sections that are most important are the law and the prophets. So Moses being the representative of the law is standing there and Elijah who is the representative of the prophets, they are both standing there. So why is this important? The Bible is very clear that the Messiah will be the perfect fulfillment of the Old Testament. That he will be the perfect fulfillment of all of God's word that he is the living embodiment of God's word, according to John chapter one. And so for Jesus to be standing and speaking with Moses and Elijah is a representation to us. It's a symbol to us showing that Jesus truly is the perfect fulfillment of all of God's word. It was a physical representation of what Jesus said, that I came to not abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So it is significant that it's Moses and Elijah that is standing, that are standing with Jesus in this moment. And it points to a deep meaning of who Jesus is to us, that he is the fulfillment of God's word. Then uh, I want to focus a little bit on the word that's used to what happens to Jesus. So look with me in verse two. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became radiant white, intensely white as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses as they were talking with Jesus. Jesus is, most translations uses this word transfigured. 
Now, transfigured is an interesting word. Transfigured, if you go back to the original language that, that the book of Mark was written in, which is ancient Greek, if you go back into the ancient Greek language and you go and read Mark in that original Greek language, you'll find that the Greek word for transfigured is the word metamorpho. It's uh, obviously where we get the word metamorphosis, uh, to, for something to be changed. You know, when a butterfly goes through a metamorphosis or a caterpillar goes through a metamorphosis into a butterfly, it's changed from one thing to another. And so this word means that Jesus was transformed from one thing to another. He was transfigured. But this word is only used in two other instances in the New Testament. So it's used through the Gospels in this account. So there's three times that this account in Jesus' life is recorded. Uh, it's uh, recorded here, and, but it's listed. The word is used two other times. And those other two times are Romans 12.2 and 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now, let me read for you Romans 12.2. You're probably familiar with this if you've grown up in church or uh, you've been in a Bible study. This is a, a passage that we hinge a lot of faith on because of the, the meaning and the deep teaching that it has. But it says this, Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So that word there in Romans 12 too, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that's the same word being used here in Mark chapter nine. So that's one place that we find this word. The only other place that we find it is 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians, so flip over to 2 Corinthians 3.18. And this passage we're going to spend a little time on, so hold your finger there, 2 Corinthians 3.18, because this passage teaches us a lot about how we approach the idea of transformation and what the, the point of transformation is. You see, Jesus wasn't transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John just for the point of being transfigured. Jesus is also pointing to the transformation, the transfiguration that you and I as his followers are supposed to go through as well. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 and following actually pretty blatantly, pretty boldly and, and clearly shows us that connection. So look with me in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, look at what else it says. Follow with me, starting in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience, conscience in the sight of God. 
And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus's sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, we are called to be transformed into the image of Christ, this glorified image, the light of Jesus in the lives of others. And we need to reflect that image to others. But that reflection is not going to happen unless we are truly transformed by Jesus. But what's the purpose? What's the purpose of our transformation? Well, look down at verse six. It says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. You see, by our transformation, by the changing of our lives, we become a light for Jesus. We become a, a, a perfect reflection for those who need Jesus. But transformation is important. You see, this passage here in 2 Corinthians 4 also tells us that people who do not believe in Jesus, their minds have been blinded by Satan. And that our purpose is to show Jesus, that light of Jesus to others so that they would know about the rescue that Jesus provides, the rescuing from their sins. Now, let me take just a, a short side note for just a second. Maybe you're watching or listening right now and you're saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe this is confusing. And I totally understand that th this is some deep stuff that we're talking about. And if you don't know Jesus, uh, let me explain just for a moment what he's done for you. You see, Jesus was and is the son of God. He's not just some ordinary human. He wasn't even just a good prophet. He literally was and is the son of God. And he stepped down from heaven to come to this earth in the form of a baby and live a life here so that he could experience life just like you and I, so that he could be tempted just like you and I, and yet be tempted yet to not sin in the midst of being tempted. You see, Jesus lived a perfect sinless life. He never sinned in all of his days on earth. And at the end of his life, he died on a cross. And that death combined with his perfection that became, that death became the perfect sacrifice to save us from our sins. You see, there's a consequence to our sins, the ways that we disobey God or don't do the right thing. There's a consequence and our sin has condemned us. And the consequence of that condemnation is that 
we live, if we don't have Jesus, we live an eternity of suffering because we need someone to come along and forgive us, to, to wash us clean of those sins. And that's what Jesus did on that cross. His perfect sinless life, his death, and then three days later, he rose from the grave. That rising from the grave made him proclaim, it declared victory in Jesus' name over sin and over death. And that death and resurrection provides forgiveness to all who would, would, would proclaim the name of Jesus. It pro provides forgiveness so that we can be saved from the consequences of our sins. We don't have to live an eternity of suffering. If we know Jesus, we will have an eternity of a perfect existence with him. And he just asks that you believe in all that he is and all that he did, that he died for our sins, that he rose from the grave, that he was and is the son of God. If we believe that, that if we dedicate our lives to him and declare him as our Lord and savior, then doing that, we will be saved. And maybe you've got questions. Maybe you wanna know more. Maybe you just wanna have a conversation or maybe you even want to go ahead and make a decision for Jesus. If that's you, if you've got questions, if you're curious, if you wanna know more, if you wanna make a decision, I want you to get your phone out right now and I want you to text the word CHANGING to 94000. That's the word CHANGING to 94000. Do it now, get your phone out, changing to 94000. We'll have somebody reach out to you and answer any of those questions. We would love to have this conversation with you. But Jesus calls us to constantly be transformed, to be more like him, which brings me to today's big idea. If you've ever watched any of my messages, you know that I give this one sentence statement that kind of sums up the main point of that week's message. And today's big idea is this. Jesus came to transform, not to see us conform. Jesus came to transform, not to see us conform. You see, this process of transformation, of no longer being conformed to the world, uh, think about what I'm talking about here. Conforming to something is like me pouring water into a glass. That water takes the shape of the glass. It, it conforms. Jesus does not want us to conform to look like the world or, or to the ways of the world. Jesus wants us instead to be transformed into his likeness, his image. And that constant process of transformation is what we in the church world call sanctification. Sanctification is that day in and day out, never-ending process of us becoming more and more and more and more like Jesus. It's us saying that we desire to not stay where we're at, but instead to be progressively changed and matured to be more like the master, the savior that we follow, Jesus. And so how does this work? Well, let's go back to one of the two passages that I mentioned uses the, that uses the word transform, that, that Greek word metamorpho. Romans 12, 2. 
Romans 12, 2. Again, I'm gonna say it this way. Say it again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, God does not desire that we be conformed. He does not want us to take the shape of the things of this world. He doesn't want us to be greedy and angry and hateful and malicious and manipulating. He wants us to be loving and peaceful and patient and kind and all of those things. You see, he wants to transform us being loving and patient and kind and peaceful and all of that. Those are things that we have to do intentionally. They don't come naturally for most of us. I would say that if you were to look at, he gives us a list of these things. It's called the fruit of the spirit. You can find it in the book of Galatians. Uh, But I would dare to say that if you looked at the fruit of the spirit, the list that Jesus gives there in the fruit of the spirit, none of us naturally on our own without effort does those, does all of those. We all struggle with fulfilling the fruit of the spirit. We, he doesn't want us to conform. He wants us to intentionally and actively be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And look at, listen to how Romans 12, 2 ends. By being transformed, we will know the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. But if we just live our life day in and day out without intentionally and actively looking for the ways that Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is transforming us, then we'll never be transformed. We'll simply conform. We'll go the easy route. We must actively seek out transformation. We have to actively ask Jesus, transform me, help me to see, help me to go through the difficult and uncomfortable process of transformation. Go back to uh, the, the little intro that I gave about the, the Transformers, the toys. I had a bunch of the Transformers uh, and learning how to transform each and every one took time. It was a step-by-step process and you had to open this and turn this and ratchet this part and then open this part and then twist this and lock this into place. And it was a process for every single one of those transformers to transform them from one mode to another. And even once you learned how to transform them, it took time each time. It, it took a matter of time to, to do all of those motions and actions to get them into the different mode. You see, Jesus wants to transform you, but it's hard. It's a process. It takes time. It's difficult. And too many of us sit back in our comfort and we just conform. We think that we're very moral and we think that we follow, uh, you know, and hang out around other good godly people. But in reality, all too many times, we simply conform. We take the easy way. And Jesus says, no, that's not the way of me. The way of me, the way of following Jesus is challenging. It pushes you. It makes you change and be different. 
And so what's the point? It's easy to conform to the world around us. It's easy to conform to be like the people that we spend time around. And don't be mistaken, the people that you spend time around very well may be people that are seemingly godly. They may use godly words. They may go to church. They may have godly ideals. They they may be moral people. But that's not what following Jesus is only about. Following Jesus is knowing what his focus needs to be in your life. Following Jesus means that you're not just looking for the moral instructions, you're looking for how to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And that's more than just morality. It's our shining light of Jesus in the world around us. It's so much more. And according to Romans 12, 2, we have to constantly be transformed by the renewal of our mind so that we can know the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And my question today for you is, are you looking like Jesus to those around you? Or are you following right in step, right in line with all of the controversy, all of the hatred, all of the um, uncertainty and division and disunity, are you falling right in line with that? Or are you being different? Are you being like Jesus that brought people who were not like him, he was bringing them to himself so that they would know him as their Lord and Savior? What are you doing to be transformed, to shine the light of Jesus into the lives of of others. That transformation will never happen if you do not allow the Holy Spirit to make you look hard in the mirror and make you see the ways in which you're not like Jesus. So what in your life do you need to humbly submit to Jesus and allow him to transform within you? You see, Jesus transformed right in front of Peter, James, and John. And he did something that no one has ever done on this earth. And his transformation is a glimpse. It's a foreshadowing of what he calls each and every one of us to do. To be transformed by him so that his glory can be shown to the world. But what are you not allowing Jesus to transform within you? What is it in your life that you refuse to allow God to transform? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that in this moment, in in Mark chapter 9, Jesus showed Peter, James, and John his glory, just a glimpse of his godhood, his deity. He showed us what it is to be in glory.
And Lord, in that glimpse, he revealed to us that, that we're also supposed to be transformed. That it's not enough to just be a good person. It's not enough to be good and do good things, but we must know you and to be transformed by you. That we have to know the life-changing hope of Jesus. And that hope truly does change our lives. So Lord, we would pray, today we pray, that you would change us, you would transform us to be more like you. Help us to follow you more closely by the renewal of our minds so that we can know your will, the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.